Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance from Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people. Remember, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the church, how to donate, how to contact us, and the podcast available on your favorite podcast app when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance and part one of his teaching in Revelation 16 called Pouring Out the Bowls. Before we begin our study in Revelation 16, I do want to um, give you a few comments about what happened in Sutherland, Texas with the shooting of, uh, I think it was 26 uh, individuals, 26 dead, uh, 20 wounded in a church that normally has about 50 on a Sunday morning. Uh, by the way, the average church in America is, uh, my, my understanding is probably about 80 people or less. So each Sunday morning when churches gather, a church of 50 is not an exception. It's, it's actually a pretty normal uh, situation all over America and for that matter, all over the world. Douglas Wilson has said the two statements atheists famously make are, one, there is no God, and two, I hate him. A bit ironic, isn't it? There is no God, and I sure hate him. These are some thoughts I wrote in my office. After the shooting at a church in Sutherland, Texas, some have decided to mock the idea of praying, saying such things as, enough with the prayers. Praying, obviously, isn't working, and probably multiple other statements that can be made. They come from Hollywood types and others who want to make commentary about God and about Christians. And they say these things with a smugness. Obviously, praying isn't working. Maybe we should cut out the prayers and get some legislation going on guns, and I'm sure you're all familiar with the tired old arguments. They are poor comforters, much like the wife of Job, who said to him, just curse God and die. After which Job replied, thanks, honey. Have a nice day. (laughs) Poor comforters they are. After the Las Vegas shooting, when the man who killed these people from a hotel window was perpetrated, somebody high up in one of the television companies said, well, I don't have any sympathy because it was probably all a bunch of right-winger Country loving, country music loving people anyway. In essence, well, maybe they deserve to die. These are the kind of comments that happen after tragedies happen in our world. And it makes us really wonder what's going on in our world. What the naysayers seem to miss is the purpose of prayer. And I would imagine that they're not alone. Because I think us as Christians often miss the purpose of prayer. Prayer is not about calling upon some bellhop in the sky to give you, you, give you your goodies whenever you want them. You pull the right lever and he delivers. That's what we're hearing in the word faith nonsense. Just pull the right lever and God will give you what you want. Use the right formula. Say the right prayer. Have enough faith. 
This is new age stuff. This is not Christianity. Prayer is ultimately about fellowship with God. Prayer is not getting your will on earth. It's getting God's will in heaven. God is not concerned about the things that concern us. In fact, the Apostle Paul, and I know that in light of what happened, I'm not trying to be in any way uh, uh, glib, but I will say that Paul said, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Now, I know that that's not something that we put on our refrigerator as the verse of the day, typically. You know, it could be a gain to me today if I happen to die. But the Apostle Paul actually believed that. I was at a pastor's conference on Tuesday. There were 700 pastors that gathered uh, as KKLA put together a uh, free uh, breakfast and lunch and and pastors uh, gathering over 700 pastors gathered and their wives at Azusa Pacific University. One of the keynote speakers was Johnny Erickson Tata. When she was 18, she had a diving accident at a local beach. She was paralyzed, became a quadriplegic. And she's been in a wheelchair for 50 years. She turned 68. She announced that, to which she got applause. And then she said, I'm not sure why you're applauding me turning 68. But anyway, thank you. She's been in the wheelchair for 50 years on top of her quadriplegic situation where she has to deal with everything she goes through. She has stage three cancer as well. Johnny Erickson Tata is a fighter. Francis Chan also spoke at this event and he called Johnny Erickson Tata the most spirit-filled person he has ever met. And she does it from a wheelchair. I remember on one occasion she said that she was at a place and... uh, the, something had gone wrong with the temperature in the building and apparently it was either too hot or too cold and people were uncomfortable and there was a lot of whining and complaining going on out in the audience. And she wheeled out in her electric wheelchair and said to the group, I heard that a lot of you are uncomfortable with your seats. And she said, well, if you take a look at mine for a second, you might change your tune a little bit. She actually said at that conference that one day when she ends up in heaven, she's going to, she's had at least playing in her mind that she's now going to be standing before the Lord and she's going to look at that wheelchair, if that wheelchair could end up in heaven with her and say to God, would you please send that chair to hell? (laughs) Then she said, I don't know if I should say that to the Lord, but anyway, (laughs) there you go. You see, from the perspective of a cushy life, which we all, you know, we want to enjoy, right? Uh, to the perspective of what suffering is about. I'm not sure that our critics and our opponents and the atheists and those who mock God really understand that for 2,000 years, almost two millennia, the story of the church has been a story of suffering. In fact, I will tell you what happened in Sutherland, Texas was an affirmation of the Bible. Jesus said, don't be surprised when they hate you. Just know that they hated me first. Please know a servant is not above his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. You see, the naysayers are watching apparently a lot of Christian television without reading their Bibles. 
This is not in any way when people are praying and persecution occurs. It does not in any way disqualify belief in God. It actually, it actually affirms the biblical record. A promise that Jesus made in John 16. In this world, you will have tribulation. That's a promise. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, according to the record of history, and this is on pretty solid ground, 11 of the 12 apostles were martyred. Peter in John 21 was promised by Jesus that he was going to be crucified. Jesus said to him, one day you're going to go and you're going to go somewhere where you don't want to go and you're going to stretch out your arms. And that verse was signifying the kind of death that Peter would die to glorify the Lord. Not only did 11 of the 12 apostles die, but you all know the story of the gospel is that God's own son, unjustly criminalized and then executed, was the most, this was the most terrible, cruel, unjust act that ever perpetrated, was ever perpetrated on the planet. Here's my point. I don't think the atheists and the naysayers understand our faith. But I will say this. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And the naysayers of the Christian faith don't seem to understand that whenever they mock us, they mock God. And when Saul was confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus said to Saul, 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 why do you persecute me? Every time you do something to one of my people, you've done it to me. When you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. Now, that individual who went into the church in Sutherland, Texas, and when I was watching the news reports and started to get a little bit of a picture of who he was, I immediately thought, and I think he even shared it with my wife, there had to be somebody in there that he was after. Well, come to find out that he had a, you know, his, either his ex or his wife or whatever the situation was. There was, her mom was supposed to be in there. Grandmother, I think, was shot and killed. He had a personal vendetta. But even though he had a personal vendetta and he went into a church, this is not the first time that the church has become a target. But let me just say this to you. No matter what happens to the church, the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. And no one, and I mean no one, will ever rob you of your inheritance. And it doesn't matter what they try to do and what they try to say. Can I encourage you, church? Don't give up. Don't lose your faith. The story of the church, this is the one that you joined. You may not have read all the fine print when you joined. I know I didn't. In fact, if I would have known the full story, I probably would have moved a little more slowly. <laughs> we got a, I was on a panel at this pastor's conference, and um, the, one of the questions that came to the four pastors on the panel was, if there was anything after years of ministry that you could do different, what would you do, do different now? And I said, well, one thing... I will tell you is that once I became a Christian, I, was, I got saved in the late 80s and I felt almost an immediate call to preach. But I went on to say, but I had no idea what God was about to do to me. And it, I think it was Tozer who said, before God can greatly use someone, he must break that person. And God's been breaking me for 30 years, stripping things away, 
telling me that Michael Lance has to die. But for everything he stripped away, I've gained something a thousand times better. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from Scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. I think it was Tozer who said, before God can greatly use someone, he must break that person. God's been breaking me for 30 years, stripping things away, telling me that Michael Lance has to die. But for everything he stripped away, I've gained something a thousand times better. So I'll tell you this. You may hear the voices of people who say prayer doesn't work and Christianity and maybe we've got to do something different. I'll tell you this. Thoughts and prayers, prayers and thoughts. When people send me their thoughts, I think, well, that's nice. (laughs) But I will take all the prayer you will send up on my behalf. And I think that this nation, even though there are people who seem to want to speak for all of us, There's people who don't really understand the heartbeat of much of this nation, that we are believers in Jesus Christ. And we believe that he's the best way to live because what else do we truly have? So in Sutherland, Texas, in the Middle East, for two millennia, the church has gone through these difficulties. And Jesus says, look, I want you to love one another. I want you to hang in there because a day is coming when I will judge the world in righteousness. Now, God has given evidence of this by raising Jesus from the dead. We shouldn't be surprised that mockers come. Peter says in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, saying, where is the promise of his coming? Revelation is largely a response to an unbelieving world. And so I guess it's appropriate that tonight we're in Revelation 16, where the judgment of God is poured out on a Christ-rejecting, God-defying world. We're going to see that. The table was set last week as we read uh, Revelation 15 in verse 1. Revelation 15, verse 1, we saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which 
are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw, as it were, 15-2, a sea of glass mixed with fire. Those who had come up victorious from the beast and from his image, these are the winners on God's side, from the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, holding harps of God. They sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And they said, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God. The Almighty, righteous and true are thy ways, thou King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify thy name? Well, the answer is many, as we're going to see in Revelation 16. There's many who apparently will not fear God. For thou, Lord, art holy. All the nations will come and worship before thee, for thy righteous acts have been revealed. After these things I looked, and the temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was open. And the seven angels who had the seven plagues came out of the temple, clothed in linen, clean and bright, girded around their breasts with golden girdles. And one of the four living creatures, the four we see in Revelation 4, who never cease night and day to cry, Holy, 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 right? Gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. A quick uh, summary and format of what's ahead. In verses one through four, the first three bowls are poured out on the earth, the sea, the rivers, and springs of water. Verses five through seven, we're gonna see the response of the righteous. They celebrate that God is righteous in his judgment. Then we'll see the last four bowls, uh, the fourth through the seventh, poured out in verses eight through 21. We'll see the response of the unbelieving world, the opposite, they don't celebrate, they're going to blaspheme God. And we're gonna see how time and again, their response is not repentance, but blasphemy. I heard a loud voice, Revelation 16:1, from the temple. I would conjecture this is God's voice saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the seven bowls of the wrath of God into the earth. Now we are, just by way of making sure we all understand where we are, we, in my view, are not in the great tribulation. We are in the day of the Lord. I've continued to remind you that In my view, there is a very important distinction between the wrath of God and the tribulation. Tribulation is trouble. Uh, People often ask the trouble for who? Well, whoever is here that's on God's side is going to be going through trouble, great tribulation. In fact, simply put, great trouble. But when the day of the Lord commences, when the actual wrath of God occurs, the people of God are not appointed to the wrath of God. The people of God are never spared tribulation. At least, you know, for the the most part of the biblical record, trouble comes the way of the believer. But the church is never appointed to God's wrath. And so uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, I think it's verse 10, says that Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. 
1 Thessalonians 1.10. So part of the reason that we celebrate the cross as a Christian is, of course, for our redemption, but also that Jesus took the wrath of God for us at the cross. He drank the cup of God's judgment, the fierce wrath of God Almighty. And there were signs of wrath around the cross, darkness of sky, earthquaking, and so forth, and Jesus' cry from the cross. So the bowls that are poured out are... Uh, also, uh, you could say part B or go hand in hand with the trumpets. They're part of the day of the Lord and there are seven of them, the number of completion or perfection. In them, the wrath of God is finished. The first angel went and poured out his bowl, 16-2, into the earth. And it, that is the first bowl, became a loathsome and malignant sore upon the men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. Now, people who took the mark of the beast took it, why? Because without it, you were unable to do what? Buy or sell. So people were under pressure. They, they were saying stuff like, who is like the beast, right? And they were giving a claim to him and worship to him. And they did it maybe for pragmatic reasons, maybe for reasons of pressure. They took the mark of the beast, but they were warned. Remember the two witnesses in Revelation 11 and even the angels in Revelation 4, 14, flying through the midheaven saying, whoever takes the mark of the beast and the number of his name will drink the full cup of God's wrath unmixed, undiluted. They were warned. They heard the gospel. God gave warning over and over again. He put off the second coming of Christ. The gospel's been preached uh, to people. But here, as the judgment of God goes out in the first bowl, kind of a shallow uh, saucer is the image here of the bowl, goes out, it becomes a loathsome sore, an oozing sore. In fact, the Greek word for sore is helkos, and it's a, the same Greek word used in the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Hebrew Old Testament, for the sores that Job had in the book of Job. And Job was there with a piece of broken pottery, and he was basically scraping the pus. I'm sorry, but here it is. It's going to ruin the time of fellowship after. Uh, you'll be hungry for your cookie in a little while. It'll be all right. But anyway, and he was scraping the boils. And he was a terrible sight. In fact, it says that he had boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. He was just in a terrible condition, something like oozing, malignant type of sores. The word loathsome is uh, a Greek word, kakos uh, or kakos, and poneris uh, is the word for malignant. These are the Greek words. There are two general words for evil. So the sores by their very nature, are loathsome, malignant, terrible. You've been listening to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This has been part one of his teaching in Revelation 16 called Pouring Out the Bowls. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first, a reminder, you can re-listen to today's teaching and previous sermons from Pastor Michael when you visit our website, walkintruth.com. Walk in Truth is also available for free on many podcast apps like iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and many more. Search Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, friend, as you know, as we began the program in the book of Revelation, I addressed a shooting that happened a while back. 
But the shooting itself is indicative of much more that's going on in our country. And multiple mass shootings have happened since then. And if you're like me, and I'm sure you are, it is absolutely heartbreaking. And it's caused us to ask some deep questions about what's going on? What's at the root of what's going on? And how do we respond as Christians? And how do we deal with the problem of evil? Well, one thing that I I mentioned is that we need to pray. Jesus said we ought always to pray and not lose heart. And in times like this, it can be easy to lose heart. It can be easy to lose our way. But we don't want to become calloused, nor do we want to lose faith. We want to make sure that we are looking to God because the problem of evil is answered by the power of the gospel. And we must preach the good news of the gospel, the hope of redemption and restoration, even in the face of evil. We have a hope that goes even beyond this life. I want to encourage you to make sure that in times like this, you're looking to God and telling other people that there's hope in Jesus, even in the face of evil and suffering. Hey, by the way, this is a topic that we've been addressing on Wednesday nights as we go through the book of Job. We've been dealing with the problem of evil and the power of the gospel. You see, the problem of evil is answered in the power of the gospel. God took a death instrument, a cross, to win our greatest victory. We'd love to have you come out and fellowship with us on a Sunday at Living Truth, but we'd also love for you to come out and experience the book of Job on a midweek service on a Wednesday night. You can find out information, directions, all you need to know about the services at Living Truth, where I have the honor of serving a senior pastor. When you go to walkintruth.com and click on the Visit tab, or when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. You know, our goal at Walk in Truth is to help you to walk closer with the Lord in good times and bad times. Make sure you access the information today. God bless you and we'll see you soon. Now be sure to come back tomorrow to hear part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Revelation 16 called Pouring Out the Bowls. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.